It is Thursday, November 3rd. I'm Scott Seidenberg. And I'm A.J. Hoffman. World Series history last night. And week nine in the NFL. Here comes the Vegas truth. This is Straight out of Vegas. We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. Astros throw a no-hitter in Game 4 of the World Series. And Philly and Houston not only doing battle in baseball, but in football as Thursday Night Football kicks off Week 9 in the NFL. The Vegas lead's an easy one. First time since 1956 that we get a no-hitter in the World Series. Christian Javier combines with a few Astros relievers to get the no-hitter in Game 4, take a 5 nothing win. Yeah, this was an incredible performance. The Astros losing Game 3 in the manner in which they did with the Phillies hitting home run after home run after home run. There were no, there were no tip pitches tonight. No, quite the opposite. <laughs> Christian Javier, who also was on the mound for a combined no-hitter that the Astros threw back in June of this year, Well, Christian Javier on the mound was absolutely lights out for the Astros. He leaves the game after six innings, 97 pitches, which with a 5-0 lead, I thought was the right decision. Sure, you want to see a guy maybe go out there and try for history, but I don't think, A.J., he would have made it three more innings. I don't think so either. And listen, I thought maybe they'd let him start the next inning or let him go till he got a hit, gave up a hit or whatever. Uh, especially with a 5 nothing lead when he left. But it's the World Series. Like, there's things that are more important. Absolutely. And when it, winning this thing is more important than him throwing the a la- no-hitter in a, in a game that they want, lose. The last thing you want is for the 5 nothing lead, him to go out there for the 7th, walk the first guy, give up a two-run home run, and then all of a sudden it's 5-2 to two and the Phillies feel like they're back in the game and that ballpark starts to get some life. So I thought it was a great move by Dusty. Uh, Brian Abreu comes in throwing 100 miles per hour. Then you go Rafael Montero and Ryan Presley closing it out. Four pitchers, combined no-hitter. First no-hitter in the postseason since Roy Halladay threw a no-hitter in the division series in 2010. First World Series no-hitter since, as you mentioned, Don Larson's perfect game in 1956. Pretty cool nugget that they mentioned on the ESPN radio broadcast last night, AJ, that calling that Don Larson perfect game was Vin Scully, the yeah. great Vin Scully. And now Joe Davis, who took over for Vin Scully, who I think is doing a tremendous job, and also took uh, over for Joe Buck calling the Major League Baseball on Fox – so you have the two Dodgers announcers in Vin Scully and Joe Davis, now the only two men to call no-hitters in the World Series, Don Larson, and then uh, now, of course, this uh, Christian Javier combined with the three other Astros relievers. I just thought that was a quirky little nugget. It is certainly. All right, let's talk about what it means going forward. Uh, is this sort of – it felt like Philly had all the momentum absolutely uh, going into this game four, and now uh, it, they've got nothing. I mean, they, they can't hit the ball. So what does this mean going forward in Game 5 and the rest of the series? Well, Astros right now minus 205 for the series. Well, they retook home field advantage because think about it. They have Game 5 now here in Philly, 
And it's Justin Verlander on the hill against yep. Noah Syndergaard. What's the odds Justin Verlander has another crummy outing? I can't see it happening. Uh, it feels like... It, it, it feels like a massive underdog that he goes out and allows yeah. even more than like three runs. Yeah, and then the series will go back to Houston for game six. Yeah, the Phillies will have Zach Wheeler. Astros will see where they decide to go with their pitching uh, rotation. But Oh, it'll be Fromber for sure in okay, game six. So then you're... Game seven will be a question given what McCullers looked like. But game six, 100% will be Fromber. Well, this is what you're looking at here then. You have the Astros now. Having Verlander in Game Five, Fromber in Game Six. This is the problem. It, it feels like this the, Astros is the Astros' number series. four starter just threw a no hitter. I know. <laughs> and now you've got to face their two best guys. I know. This feels like I'll tell you right now. You said at the beginning of the series, Astros in six. I so did. You're a I wizard. Did. I said Astros in five. I didn't. Proje- I didn't foresee uh, <laughs> the Verlander uh, fifth inning last week. Did, did give out the under seven and a half on pregame.com last night. Sweated it out a bit. It was zero zero going into the fifth, and the Astros think, scored five runs in the fifth inning. You think you got a no hitter? You don't have to sweat much, but yeah. yeah you were I mean, sweating. A five-run fifth inning, which, by the way, I don't blame Rob Thompson for what happened last night. Um, Aaron Nola gets into trouble in the top of the fifth inning. Three singles back-to-back-to-back to load the bases with nobody out. At that point, Nola is sitting there at 67 pitches. Could you have let him go? Maybe. But he had already allowed seven hits. At that point, you have your best high leverage relievers available. You have Jordan Alvarez, the second best hitter besides Aaron Judge in the American League this year, up at the plate. You go to the lefty lefty matchup. So you bring in Alvarado, and then what happens? He hits him with a pitch. Now, do I know is he going to get Alvarez out there? Is he going to, you know, do something? No one knows. We don't know, but he hits him with the first pitch of the at bat. That scores a run. And then from there on, the floodgates opened. Alex Bregman hits the double. Kyle Tucker hits the sack fly. Yuli Gurriel, who doesn't strike out at all, uh, hits a two-strike single. Then you get Vasquez to strike out. Then you get Diaz to strike out and end the inning. Five runs in the blink of an eye. At that point, the way that Javier was pitching, you felt the game was over. Yeah, it, it felt that way, certainly. And like you said, last or excuse me, game three, was the game where the Phillies had the luxury of not using any of their high-leverage relievers. All their high-leverage relievers got work last night in Game 4, even though it wasn't a really a competitive game by the time they got in. They were just trying to keep the game close enough Absolutely. to keep it in striking distance. So like you, you mentioned, Alvarado pitching, uh, David Robertson uh, got, got innings there. The, I guess the only one who didn't would have been Sir Anthony Dominguez. Mm-hmm. But Eflin and Hand both pitched yeah. as well. And the Phillies are a weird team and like, they don't really have a closer. The, the yeah. Phillies, it's it's mm-hmm. it's kind of feel and whoever they feel like is the best matchup, and so all they they trust a handful of these relievers. Mm-hmm. They they used most of them in last night's game, although none of them, you know, threw other than Alvarado threw a, a, a big amount of pitches. He did throw twenty two pitches in in one inning of work, yeah. which is not ideal. Uh, but now it feels like all that. All the equity that the the Phillies bullpen had saved up from Game Three 
is now kind of a wash. So it almost feels like it's a new series here. And we also know that tonight's game is going to be a bullpen game. Like, yes. Noah Syndergaard's not going to go deep into this game. And I would imagine that he is backed up probably by Sir Anthony Dominguez. And then they're going to work it from there. So And it's going to be some of these guys we saw tonight. Absolutely, and, because it's a must-win game. And the whole goal... In the in the in the playoffs, in particular, as you get deep in the playoffs, for these managers, is you don't want these guys to see, have multiple at bats against your pitchers, mm-hmm. particularly your big time relievers. You don't want them to see them more than once or, or twice. So now that the Astros have seen all these relief pitchers last night, they've got the advantage here in this game five, where you know there's going to be a lot of relievers working. This is my first inclination in thinking about tonight's game: Astros in the first five innings. And wh- why? Because of the uh, – and that was kind of our – that was I, what I we th- decided on when it was going to be Syndergaard's start the first time. Uh, and it was either – is it Astros' first five or is it first five over? And we settled on Astros' first five. And I think that even makes more sense now because it feels like the Phillies, it, when you could, when you get no hit, it doesn't seem likely you're going to come out bats blazing in the next game. So the Phillies aren't, you don't assume the Phillies will help with a first five over. So maybe Astros first five is the way to go. Yeah. I think that the Phillies bats are going to be quiet uh, coming off the no hitter last night. I think Verlander has a bounce back performance and uh, I give him the edge over Syndergaard here. I think the Astros uh, trying to feed off this momentum as much as you can. And normally I would fate. This is like one of my favorite things to do in the regular season, AJ. I always fade the team that just threw a no-hitter because they celebrate at night. Not happening here. Not happening because it's the World Series. They have to move on to this next game. There is, There was a trend. I was tracking it during the season. Uh, let's see, eight of the last 11 teams, uh, and I had tweeted this out back in June, so I probably haven't updated this stat in a while, but – um, it was at that point, this was after the Astros threw their combined no-hitter. And I tweeted out that Who I was— they throw it against? It, it was the Yankees. I thought, I thought you might remember that. <laughs> yeah, it, it was the Yankees. So I had bet the Yankees uh, in the next game, and part of my handicap was, well, you know what? There is going to be a hangover. Why is there going to be a hangover? Because eight of the prior 11 teams to throw a no-hitter— scored two or fewer runs the following day. And I just felt there's a world, there's a there's a no-hitter hangover. Well, what happened that next day? Nestor Cortez goes out there, five innings of work, five hits, gives up three runs. Those three runs came early. One in the first, two in the fourth. Ain't no hangover for the Astros. No. I like the Astros in the first five innings here against Syndergaard. This is... What we talked about yesterday morning was game four was the best case scenario for the Phillies. Game four was the this was the where they benefited from having the rain out, really, because mm-hmm. what they got was in game four, they got to fire their best bullet. And that was Aaron Nola, which you thought, you know, was going to have to wait till game five. This was a chance for Philly to take control yep. of this series with their best arm on the mound. Not like he did a bad job. Christian Javier just had other plans. Absolutely. And I think, I don't think the Phillies make some sort of uh, panic decision and start Wheeler tonight. Uh, I still think it's going to be Syndergaard because you can't throw Wheeler tonight 
go down 3-2. And then throw Syndergaard in Houston. And then have, yeah, or Kyle Gibson or Any something, your season on the line. No, you need to save. If your plan was to push Wheeler back a day, you keep him pushed back. You throw Syndergaard in your bullpen. You try and salvage out a win. And if not, well, you got your best arm on the mound in game six on Saturday. So uh, I don't Something think- I'd even consider if the, if the Phillies win game five. I might save Wheeler for a potential game seven. You push him back an extra day? Just because clearly he's physically not right. Like there's something going on with him. Otherwise, he would have pitched game four. So it it was a – there's something well, – no, he pitched game two. Oh, so he would be in line to pitch. All right, he would be in line. He would pitch this game tonight then. Or, yeah. So there's something obviously wrong with him that they're needing to get him extra rest. If you, if you somehow get up 3-2 – why not rest him as much as you can, have the best version of Wheeler in Game 7, but of course then it's, you know, a, you're down to one one game. It kind of felt – I I know we, we briefly mentioned this yesterday that the winner of this game wins the series. Mm-hmm. Kind of feels like it. Yeah. Right? And I, I don't – It's 2-2. Especially two, two. winning the way it's that – It's 2-2. Two, two. I don't want to count the Phillies out. It's 2-2. Two, two. They've been incredible. How can I count them out? But teams of destiny don't get no hit in the World Series. The odds are in the – it's <laughs> minus two, minus 205 now for the series for the Astros. And, yeah, I know it's about home field advantage, but the Astros are going to be favored tonight, and then they'll be favored at home in game six. Yeah, they'll be favored in every they'll other be game. Favored this in was every the game. only game that it was like a, a coin flip. Yeah. And it was – there was a, a really a one-sided performance. So uh, – and, again, all these runs came in one inning, came in the fifth inning. This was not a bad pitching night for the Phillies. No. It was a bad inning. And that, that's what it boils down to sometimes, particularly in the playoffs, mm-hmm. is one bad inning can, can spoil the whole thing. But even if it wouldn't have been as miserable of an inning, even if they'd given up just the one run, yeah, the offense didn't give them enough. So Astros minus 155 tonight, total of 7.5. My play would be on the Astros in the first five innings. We have Thursday night football tonight, and it is the same two cities, AJ, doing battle in the World Series, Philadelphia and Houston. Yes, we'll have Game 5 of the World Series tonight, but also Thursday night football. Joining us to break it down is the only two-time winner of the Super Contest, Steve Fezzik. So, Fez, who are you going with, the Phillies or the Astros here on Thursday night football? (laughs) I am kicking myself for not betting the Phillies in the first half. You know, oftentimes Uh. examining what you did wrong as a better can help you make good bets down the road. So we've talked about the Eagles being a great first-half team and Mm -hmm. the need to get at the good numbers early, ideally, in the week. And so here's a case where early in the week, the Eagles were laying 13. First half, though, there was minus 6.5s and minus 7s. There was even some minus 6.5. Eagles are a great first-half team. And I even said to myself, you know, i I got to bet the Eagles first half. I don't know what happened. I got distracted. Life you know, there's a movie. Tom Tom Hanks was in the movie about the end of the world, and he says, you know, things got in the way. I always wanted to go to San Francisco. What was this movie? Mackenzie maybe can look it up. It's like, I got my 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 parents got sick. Yeah, you know, the job was a hassle. The end of the world. Never made it to San Francisco because the temperature of the planet mm-hmm. went up to 145 degrees. Well, that happened to me, I guess, because I didn't lay the six and a half with the Eagles or seven, and now it's seven and a half first half. And I am, like, so disgusted that I don't have a position on the Eagles that would be easily scalpable. I'm, I'm just I'm, – I, I don't even want to talk about the game. Wow. <laughs> well, I think there are some things to still talk about. And it's funny that I asked Fez when I saw him last night. I said, 
Eagles, you know, seven and a half in the first half. Is it too late? He's like, yeah, I wish you would have talked to me yesterday. We could have gotten this thing banged out. And uh, he said six and a half was great. Seven would have been okay. Mm -hmm. Seven and a half, not okay. Mm -hmm. It's the difference between shooting a bullet and throwing it. I do not want to throw a bullet on the Eagles minus seven and a half here. I still think they cover it. Uh, well, here's here's the thought. I think that you can look at this game one of two ways. You either think that the – my thought is this is an under game. I, I think the Eagles can cover, and this can still be an under game. I mm -hmm. think the biggest mismatch on the field is the Eagles' defense against the Texans' offense. Uh, this this offense has got – I mean, Brandon Cooks is asking to be traded. He's, he's on Twitter complaining about being there. It, it, there's nothing to like about this offense except for Damian Pierce – who's the running back. So the more he gets the ball, cool. Clock is tick 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 tick. What are the what, what are the Texans relatively good at defensively? They're relatively good defending the pass, at least compared to the run. So what are the Eagles going to do? Run, run. So what's the clock going to do? Tick tick. We tick. saw that movie last week, did we not? When we did. and we pregame.com did their own research with our own Mackenzie Rivers and they showed if you remove the garbage time Last week, Houston gave up 400 yards, and they accumulated under 100 yards. I think we're going to see the same thing happen in this game. And there are 46s available, 45 and a half, the more prevalent number, but there are 46s. 45 is a key number. So if you can get under 45, uh, under 45 and a half, I, I feel like you're in good shape here. This feels like a game where – what, what's the high end of what you could picture the Texans scoring in this game? On a Thursday night, mind you, when unders tend to be the, the side anyway. Yeah, and I could see a second half under also if the Eagles are up 20 to 3 at halftime. Mm. Play the, you know, the, a second half under 22 and a half at that point. Second I, half, well, right now I'm seeing the first half at 23, second half 21 and a half. Yeah, so it'll be lower, but I still think as long as you get it north of the 21, I think you're, you're fine in a blowout to play under 21 and a half, second half. I think the Eagles cover this line. I think the Eagles cover the first half. I think this is. This is Philadelphia winning this game. Uh, if I had to give a score right now, I don't know, 28 to 10, but something like is, that. If there is a pro tip here, winning at betting requires – winning big on betting mm -hmm. requires two things. Making good handicaps and getting at good bets at the right numbers. Sure. So this is an example of when a bet is obvious and everyone's making it, it doesn't make it wrong. Mm -hmm. But what is wrong – is letting somebody else beat you to the punch and getting at all those good Philly numbers. And then you know what? You're probably okay anyways laying 7.5. If, if, if and then you it's can find a 7 in the first half, would you lay it? Yeah, but it's, it's the, the, the train has left the station. Yeah. Absolutely. I think it would, I, I would lay 7 minus 30 more than I'd lay 7.5 minus 10. It's about the same. That's, that team's, this is, I mean, when you think about it, it can be, um, you can crush the other team. And you're ahead 17 to three, and then they somehow get a touchdown on their last drive, mm -hmm. and, and you lose if you're laying seven and a half. Or it could be 14 nothing. And, and all of a sudden, they just they get that punch in that touchdown at the end of the half. It's 14 7 at the half. There you go. Or you're, you're, or you're up you know, seven to three somehow, and you're driving at the end of the half. And if you're late six and a half, you're styling. If you're laying seven, you're feeling good. Mm -hmm. If you're laying seven and a half, you're like, please, God, score the touchdown. Fez, what about the first quarter? What about minus three in the first quarter? God, no. I, I, I hate laying chalk in the first quarter. It's like if you don't, if you don't like lose the coin flip. All right, so if you're really up against it because if you win the coin flip, you defer, and Houston punts, 
and now you get one possession. You need a touchdown. That's that's all. You're, that's the only kick at the can. Mm-hmm. It's too difficult, especially the Eagles have been better actually second quarter than first quarter. And especially if Houston does win the toss and they get the ball first, or or if Eagles win the toss and they defer, they'll both defer. That's Houston's the, goal should be to not give the ball to Philadelphia. So if they can have heck. a long sustainable drive. 12 plays, 14 plays, take seven minutes off the clock. I thought you were going to say 12 plays to like 24 yards. No, well, it might be. It could be. Uh, in fact, there was a college game. Was it, it was, I think it was one of the um, one of the MAC games where it was the, the, the team had a – oh, no, it might have been the Georgia State game where they had a 14-something play drive, but they only marched 30 yards in that span. <laughs> like, like holding on third and 13. Yeah, it yeah. was unbelievable. They got penalties. They were getting like one, two yard plays at at a time. It was amazing. That's what I think could happen, though, and and that's where you run the risk by taking an Eagles in the first quarter, which, by the way, is up to three and a half right now, Eagles in the first quarter, which I would absolutely not like. So if the Eagles are up double digits at halftime, I'll give a conditional play. I'll say play, play the second half under only if the Eagles are up double digits at halftime. At what point does this Eagles run end? They're not going to go undefeated. Or are they? <laughs> They're not going to go undefeated. Uh, but, you know, I, I mean, I've got the Eagles rated as, you know, clearly the best team in the NFC. Three points clear of Dallas and San Francisco. Um, everyone in the NFL has been eliminated except for five teams. Buffalo and Kansas City, Philly, Dallas, and San Fran. So the, they're heavy favorites here at I'm Houston. not counting off Baltimore. Baltimore has been eliminated. You're wrong. No, I'm right. <laughs> well, think about this. The Eagles. <laughs> think about the Eagles' schedule. Here against the Texans tonight, home against the Commanders, then it's at the Colts. By the way, now thinking about that game next week, I love Philly at home against the Commanders on Monday night. Hmm. Coming off Thursday night and then having another extra day and then playing on Monday night Does at an home? extra day matter? Uh, I'd rather play Sunday because the Commandos get an extra day. That's true. Uh, all right, at the Colts, we know how the Colts stink. Home against the Packers. On the 27th, home against the Titans. Does any of this matter, though? I know you're talking about undefeated. I'm just saying, I don't know when they're going to lose. But 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 the bottom line is, I think we can assume they're going to get the number one seed. So are they, they go ever, 15 and 2? Or... Are they ever going to be an underdog? I don't care. I don't <laughs> they're so. going to go 15 and 2. I, I think it's a done deal. So what team would you bet on then against them? San Francisco. They're, they're not playing San Francisco in the regular season. I'm saying, what yeah. team would you bet I'm, on? I'm, I'm already season? past you. I'm already in the playoffs. You're already in the playoffs. I'm already, right. I'm already doing You're like NFC setting. Championship game, 49ers yes. Yes. at the Eagles. Cat- You're taking 49ers plus, plus three and a half. half. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's good. Here's a, a question that I've got. If we're looking at a different way to get at this game, the team total for the Texans, 15 and a half. If you were to say, well, uh, the Eagles' second-best DVOA team, if you look at the other two games the Texans have played against top-10 DVOAs, they scored a total of one touchdown in those two games, and that was the late touchdown last week against Tennessee. I like this. I Three field goals against Denver, yeah, a field goal, and nothing else against Tennessee. Like the, the, This offense against good defenses cannot move the ball. I, I like the under-15. I'll throw out one that will be out there somewhere. First score, Houston Texans field goal. Or safety, it'll be like plus a dollar ten versus touchdown. I think it's more likely they get a three than they get a seven to start the game. I, I think that's way more. I think it, it's if there was a this might be. I don't know. I don't think they do these uh, 
Texans no touchdown props. Mm. I know they do the game no touchdown props. There will be touchdowns scored. I just don't know if the Texans score a touchdown in this just game. Just don't bet in the second half what the, what, what the Texans' next score will be because they're going to be down so many points. Then they'll have to stop kicking field goals. Yeah. I think you can do uh, – so there's anytime touchdown score, first touchdown score. I think you can bet on the team individual touchdown score and like like the team's first touchdown and then – if you look at that, you would have to go like the no no touchdown scored might be offered for one of those team props. So if you look now, like I'm looking at, you know, I don't see even uh, on, on DraftKings. But I do think that some books might offer that. So if you look at like they'll have prop bets on the Eagles first touchdown score, prop bets on the Texans first down, first touchdown, and just look for Texans no touchdown. But you'll score. never get value because we had a Thursday night game with no touchdowns. Like at Circa, paid 125 to 1, and a lot of books got whipsawed. I know that that was both teams' touchdown, but the memo went out to the sports books, don't give good odds on the no touchdown prop on Thursday nights. Yeah, I, I would just be on the Eagles here. I would be on that under in the Texans team total for sure. I do think that the Eagles have a very good chance of covering this game and the game going under the posted total. I, I agree with that. Fez, since you uh, you don't like anything on this game, give us a nugget. What's something you're looking for this weekend? I'm going to play a season win bet. I am going to go under 5.5 for the Detroit Lions, lay minus 140. I'd be shocked if this lost. I don't see how this isn't going to win. I mean, I don't think Detroit's going to get five wins. And Detroit, frankly, could win two games. Their over-under was six and a half to start the year. Well, everything's gone wrong. Why have we only adjusted Detroit by one game? They've just shown that they're sellers at the trade deadline. That would be my best bet right now for um, the best long-term investment. I have a question for you guys, though, and a college football question. All right. Army, Air Force. I think you have to go under, right? It's 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 two service academies. You have to. So the over, it's so like the, a blind bet. So, so the under betters are like it's thirty nine and nine to the under. Yes. Whenever, whenever Army plays a Navy or an Air Force, and I've spoken to my totals guys, and they go and they say, Fez, condescendingly, we're well aware of these trends. <laughs> I've heard say, Army can pass, and we make the total forty eight and a half. F you, Fez. We're betting over, and we bet over 38. Not only can Army pass, Army is dead last in the country in line yard defense. Like, they are one of the worst run-stopping defenses, stuff rate defenses yeah. in the country. So, in these, usually these games, it's both teams can stop the run. In this situation... Army can't stop the run. That mm-hmm. becomes problematic. So I'm I also I was at the Air Force UNLV game, mm-hmm. and I watched Air Force barely attempt a single pass and put up 42 points on UNLV's defense. Mm. I understand that Army defends against the triple option offense, but Army's got a worse rush defense here. I think that. Air Force could easily run on them just like they did on UNLV. So, you know, it's just a fascinating question, and I didn't arrive at any bet I'm going to make on that other than playing the Lions again under the five and a half. But I do think, like, there's an art and a science to handicapping, and this is this is one of those games that's just a joy to watch and see will it be higher or lower scoring. Yeah, I'm, I, it, I didn't have a play on it either. I can see the argument for both sides of it. It will be one that I'll be sitting out. Looking at rush defense? In NCAA football, Army, 126th against the run. 
That's out of 131 programs. That's not good when you're playing a service academy. Yeah, and the total's sitting at 39. Yep. I, I, that's I why actually, I say I, I don't like the. I, I got to be honest with you. I think Air Force might get 39 by themselves. I'm telling you, it, this is a uh, it's a scary proposition. Play. I know the under the trends will all say you got to play the under every service academy game. This Army team passes more than any Army team in recent history and are worse against the run than any army team in recent So we history. have the 126th rank. If I didn't if I if I told you forget about the team names and I just said team A is 126th against the run. They're playing against team B who's number 1 in the country running the football, averaging 337 yards per game. You would say, yeah, Team gonna, B, team total over. <laughs> yes, that's exactly Thank you yep. very much. That's the play is going to be in that game. All right. That's probably what we're going to look at. Uh, Fez, thank you so much, man. Great stuff. Uh, good luck Thursday night football, and enjoy the college football. Appreciate it. Think of me when the Eagles win the first half by exactly seven points, and they make nothing off of it. It is Thursday, and there's still college football going on. Like, Tuesday night, college football. Wednesday night? College football, Thursday night, college football. Guess what's happening tomorrow night? College football. Then a full day of college football on Saturday. Well, yeah, we've reached a we, point in the calendar where there's football. We're college football, football rich right now. There's football every day. You go from NFL to college with Maction on Tuesdays and Wednesdays and then Friday games also. There's always been Thursday games. But, you know, there's football every single day. And you know what they say? The games in November are the ones you remember. I will say this. I'm annoyed with myself because here on Straight Out of Vegas AM, the last two mornings, I've previewed the Mac games. On Tuesday morning, I said, Ball State plus six. This is a, a good situation for the dog. Guess what? They went out right, 27-20. I say, Ohio in the over. The, the Buffalo, Ohio's the better team. There's going to be a lot of points scored here. Ohio 45, Buffalo 24. <laughs> and then what did you say yesterday morning? Yesterday I say Bowling Green, Western Michigan. Two under. Bad offenses. I remember that. Good Mac defenses. Play the under. Final score is 13 to 9. <laughs> Central Michigan. They're going to win this game outright. The plus six. Take the plus six. Central Michigan against Northern Illinois. 35 22, Central Michigan. I keep telling everybody to do this, and then I haven't been betting these games myself. So, are there any MAC games tonight? That's the no. There's no MAC games. What I've got to wait do? till next week. Is going to be the problem. But there is there is some uh, Conference USA, and then there's of course the Fun Belt. We'll talk. We'll start with the CUSA game. UTEP, the Miners, hit the road against the Rice Owls. Rice minus three and a half. I'm not going to bore you with a long handicap here, but this feels like a good situation for Rice. Uh, I, if I, I don't know if I'll be playing this game. If mm-hmm. I were, I'd be playing Rice. However, in the Fun Belt game, App State, Coastal Carolina, I've got to lean to App State minus three on the road against Coastal. But I do think there's a lot of points scored in this game. 63 and a half the total. I like over 63 and a half. I'm probably going to end up looking at the App State team total over as an official play. Uh, because, like I said, I do like App State, and that's the reason why I like the over. So that's probably the safest way for me to get at it. But two decent games on television tonight. Of course, the Thursday night football game, it's going to, you know, it's probably not going to be close. You'll, you're going to want something to do. I guess you can always watch the World Series, yeah. right? How, how in the world did Coastal Carolina lose to Old Dominion? 
and not even lose. They got blown out by yeah. Old Dominion. Oh, listen, Old Dominion's got a uh, they've got a special quarterback. Yeah, but I bet Old Dominion last week, and they look like crap against Georgia State. Uh, I agree. Uh, yeah, it's that's welcome to Sun Belt football. One, uh, you can look amazing one week, and you are dog shit the so next. So you can go on the road, beat Grayson McCall in Coastal Carolina yes. convincingly, and then lose and put up a stinker against Georgia State. That's absolutely within the rules of the Sun Belt. I can't bet against Grayson McCall here in this game. Why not? He just he lost Old Dominion. Yeah, but he wears like fun, he wears like funky eye black. And, oh, and well, looks really intimidating. You know, if that's what it's all about, then yeah, you're probably you're, if it's about the best eye black, then I agree. You should be on Coastal plus the points. Conway, South Carolina, site of points tonight in the Fun Belt. AJ, we had just two hockey games on the schedule last night. You know, a lot of people listening to Straight Out of Vegas AM have been saying, Scott, we want more hockey talk. We Who need said to, that? We need to hear about the hockey. Well, look, they're buying the season-long package at pregame.com. I gave out another winner last night with the over in the Sabres-Penguins game. By the way, Penguins, they were up 5-2 to two on Tuesday night, lose to the Bruins 6-5. They were up... Three to one on the Sabres, lose the game six to three. Oof. This is just a bad defensive team. Anyway, that was the winner I gave out last night. People want more hockey talk. So I'm going to give them a little bit of a hockey talk in this edition of The Look Ahead. And what a slate we have tonight. The Capitals visit the Red Wings, Washington minus 130 total. Of six and a half. The Golden Knights are at the Senators. VGK minus 140. Total of six and a half. Hurricanes are at the Lightning. Tampa Bay minus 140. Total of six and a half. The Rangers host the Bruins. New York minus 130 with a total of six. Now you might be asking yourself, Scott, why? Why are the Rangers minus 130 when the Bruins are nine and one to start the season? Well, that's going to be a question that we're going to have to answer if we decide to play one of these games. Not sure what the goaltending situation is going to be like for the Rangers. Shesterkin's been playing a lot. So if they go to Halak, I don't know if I can back them against the Bruins. But if it's Shesterkin in net, certainly the Rangers playing well at home have a little bit of an edge here. But New York minus 130, total of six. Kraken visit the Wild. Minnesota minus 190, total of six and a half. Islanders are at the Blues. St. Louis minus 120 with a total of six. The Canadiens visit the Jets. Winnipeg minus 210, total of six and a half. I have a trend or a stat, if you will, on teams this year that are favored minus 200 or greater. Give that to you in in just a minute. The Kings are at the Blackhawks. LA minus 170, total of six and a half. Predators visit the Flames. Calgary minus 195, total of six and a half. The Devils, who are the most fun team in hockey, they visit the Oilers. Edmonton minus 160, total of seven. We have a seven on the board. The rare seven. Why? Well, it's because, come on. The Devils score so much. They shoot so much. The Oilers score. This could be a really, really, really fun game. Uh, Stars visit the Coyotes. Dallas minus 195, total of six. Ducks are at the Canucks. Vancouver minus 170 with a total of six. And the Panthers visit the Sharks. Florida minus 225 with a total of six and a half. I was running the numbers, AJ, on NHL favorites. 
and going into, you know, uh, this tonight's slate, and I wanted to see how do heavy favorites do? Well, Toronto won as a massive favorite, minus 335 last night against Philadelphia. They won 5-2. to two. So, favorites of minus 200 or greater this season are 23-18 and 18 straight up. However, favorites versus teams playing on a back-to-back 21 and 9. If that favorite is a minus 200 favorite or greater, which is what Toronto was against Philadelphia last night, they are 7 and 1 straight up. Think about that. 7 and 1. So now you're wondering, well, do Pittsburgh, Buffalo, Philadelphia or Toronto play here tonight where we can take advantage of that? No. <laughs> <laughs> but something to keep track uh, for for the next time you see a team playing the second night of a back-to-back. And if that game is lined up possibly at minus 200 or greater, the trends could ever be in your favor. Only two games in the association tonight. We'll start with the defending champions, Golden State Warriors, minus eight on the road at Orlando. And the Denver Nuggies, five-and-a-half-point road favorites at the Thunder. There's your look ahead for Thursday evening, November 3rd. But I think the entire sports world is really going to be focused on the cities of Philadelphia and Houston, where in Philadelphia, the Phillies take on the Astros, Game 5 of the World Series. And in Houston, the Eagles take on the Texans. Thursday night. What a game we've got. What a game. (laughs) Well, what a night we have. Uh, If you are interested in jumping on board with any of our season-long packages available at pregame.com, whether it's my NHL package, AJ's got college basketball. When's college basketball start? Monday night. Monday night. That's awesome. So AJ's got a college basketball package. You want to jump on board with that? Take 20% off on us. See, it's not you or me. It's us. Thanks. Thanks for involving me. The promo code we're going to give you today to use is TRADE20. Right? We talked about the NFL trade deadline on yesterday's show, so why not involve it? Okay. TRADE20. That's T-R-A-D-E-2-0. 20% off for listeners of this podcast. Use the promo code at pregame.com. Jump on board with any package you like. You can get a daily package. It's fine. But in order to maximize your 20% off, you should probably get a season-long package. So AJ's got college basketball. I got NHL football. You can still jump on board, college football, pro football, or NBA. Mackenzie Rivers uh, has his NBA season-long package. And you have a chance to win $1,000 cash for free. What? If you go to pregame.com, click on contests, and go to the Mackenzie Rivers NBA contest, you can enter for free. And the winning contestant, the person who wins the most NBA units, will win $500 cash. If that winner earns more units than what McKenzie earned last year, that winner gets an extra $500. That's $1,000 cash for free at pregame.com. Sign up today. For McKenzie Rivers and A.J. Hoffman, I'm Scott Seidenberg. Have a great Thursday. We'll talk to you tomorrow straight out of Vegas. Hey, yeah.